Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I am super excited to announce that my first children's book, Love Magic, is now on Amazon for purchase. Love Magic is a heartfelt and magical story about the enduring power of love. It's about a little girl named Charlie who has a loved one who passes, and her journey addresses the universal question of how do we stay connected with our loved ones when they pass on. It gently touches upon the magical ways in which our loved ones can continue to guide us through nature, music, love, and everything in between. I hope you will check it out on Amazon and possibly purchase it. And if you do, please leave me a review. Without further ado, let's go to the next interview. Today, I have Paula Wilkes back on the program. Paula was with us last week and she brought through some beautiful, important messages from her guide, Holly. Today, Paula will be talking about her work with gifted children. Paula has been an educator and coach for more than 40 years. She earned her master's and PhD from the University of Oregon. She has worked for nearly 10 years as a professor of education at Pacific University's Eugene campus, where she created and coordinated the Center for Gifted education. She now provides workshops for parents throughout the community, as well as for parents who are looking for help in dealing with the academic, social, and emotional issues of their gifted children. Welcome back to the program. So um, in terms of your coaching with the gifted, let's back up a little bit. And did, were you really I'm going to use the word spiritual before you started um, coaching the gifted and getting really involved in this, um, in the spiritually sensitive. You know, it's only now looking back at it with hindsight that I realized I was, I was a very sensitive little girl and somehow some people say you choose your parents. Why I would choose parents who would not um, be sensitive themselves and, and would tell me I was too sensitive and, and all. But um, I could feel what other people were feeling, feel the angst of my family. My, my mother and her mother escaped to the United States after the men in their village uh, were killed in a pogrom. And so my mother came with such PTSD and um, that continued through her life. And I felt my mother's anxiety and I felt my mother's pain. And 
I, I remember once coming home and telling my mother how the teacher had yelled at this boy named Danny. I must have been in the second grade. And my mom called Danny's mom and Danny hadn't mentioned anything. And, and Danny didn't even remember being yelled at by the teacher, but it caused me to cry. So I realized looking back, I had a connection um, to people, first of all. And then when, when I would experience things that were difficult for me, I do remember feeling as though I was floating at the, the, the ceiling of my bedroom, watching myself being afraid. Um, and I put it together now and I realized that that was the way I was trying to cope with all of my sensitivities and intensities and things at that time I, I didn't understand, but it felt difficult to be me. But then what happened as I realize it now, probably because Holly and these, these different guides have been with me all along, helping me to become this teacher, coach, mentor kind of person, that they gave me whispers about children in my class and who might have ADHD, <clears throat> excuse me, or who had auditory processing or who had different kinds of issues without the kids ever being tested. I just heard whispers about this. And a lovely thing that happened to me that really changed my idea about teaching was in my very first year in Eugene, I had this lovely, lovely girl. And later, like nine years later, when she's in college, she sends me this letter thanking me for my class having been a haven for her. And it struck me at first, she didn't say anything about how I taught her anything like that. And I thought, wow, this girl, they have a house on the country club. Why did she need my classroom to be a haven? And then it totally clicked with me. Everybody needs a place that's a haven for them. And that then really helped open up even more listening to spirit and really paying attention. You know, when we, when we talk about the fifth chakra and our voice, there's also like falling back into the divine aspect of ourselves and listening yes. and listening, not just with our ears, but with our heart, with the lower chakras of our body, what is this human need? What might be missing? And I also look back and think, you know, my husband and I created this program called the best approach to team building. Rick was also um, a teacher and best stood for belonging, empowering, and supporting, trusting the three stages we would try to take our kids through. And the first one, the very first day of school, we would do activities where all the kids would feel like they belonged and they were important in our classrooms, yes. doing lots of mixed, mix, mix it up kind of activities where kids would change partners. No one was more important than anyone else. Then the second level was the empowering, how to get kids to feel a sense of being self-empowered where a child is center stage and the others are listening to them. 
you know, kids want to be heard, but they really want to be heard and appreciated by their peers. So we did activities that had that happening. And then the last one was supporting trusting, where kids could share in class meetings, and then kids could help um, their classmates try to solve issues that were important to them. And so I feel like the nice thing was I went from this very sensitive young girl who felt very unempowered by the bombardment of everything that I was feeling from everyone around me, you know, and everyone around the planet to being a teacher who could really impact what was happening in my classroom and how kids would be expected to treat each other. And it wasn't until recently I realized my PhD was training teachers to mentor each other. So here that whole idea of mentoring and, and training and supporting each other followed itself all the way through. Um, and then most recently when I retired, I've been working with gifted and twice exceptional students um, coaching them in areas that are challenges, weaving in social emotional issues into some of the academic things we're doing until now when I'm doing this soul bridge coaching and helping people communicate with their own spirit guides until they can learn how to do that on their own. So it was, it, it's been this journey from being this child to didn't understand what she was feeling or was she spiritual or any of that until now where I can just feel like so, so much love um, from spirit that I, I didn't recognize when I was a child. Right. So Paula, do you, working with um, the twice exceptional and gifted, and there's, there's different words that I'm not um, familiar with, but mm -hmm. I, if the parents, how do you merge those two worlds? Because I know a few people who have children that, that are, um, have those gifts, I'm going to call, you know, and, and challenges, and they're not, they're, they're kind of, you know, earthly bound too. <laughs> not, you know, some of them don't um, have a lot of spiritual sense. So how do you interweave those two when you're working with working with a child or does it just, it's just so individual? Yeah, that's such a great question. It is completely individual depending upon what their strengths and challenges are. And right. even when we talk about twice exceptional, that's a child who has intellectual giftedness or giftedness in in one or two academic areas and simultaneously has some kind of a challenge that is impeding their learning, whether it's dyslexia, ADHD, autism. I mean, the spectrum is just so grand uh, what can get in your way and continues to challenge the twice exceptional adults. So it right. isn't as though giftedness and twice exceptionality is just a school issue you know, it, it can be a lifelong issue. So what I tried to do is um, really hone in on that individual child, pay attention to what my guides are telling me, you know, maybe a child has an auditory processing. And that means not that they can't hear, their brain 
doesn't hear. Right. So they may be able to hear high sounds and low sounds and which ear is hearing it. But somehow when they're given a list of things to do, they can't remember everything. Or they may sit at the back of the room where a heater is going and can't simultaneously hear the teacher. So I get some guides about what might be going on with this child. But what I try to do is weave in just um, deep love, um, kind compassion. When I'm working with them, I talk about how something might be difficult in the classroom or how I know it can be challenging when you know, you have an idea of what you should be capable of doing, but the ideas come so quickly to you and you can't spell correctly or your hand can't move that quickly and, you know, what that makes you feel like. So often parents will tell me that the kids will say they feel like they're, they've been meeting with an angel, which I think is so funny because yeah. I don't talk about things in those terms, but I think they pick up on my gentleness and my love for them and that it isn't really about, we're going to do this work together and now what grade are you going to get on that assignment? Right. And then with parents who I've had a chance to, on the, on the backside, speak with about some of my uh, spirituality or some of my mindfulness techniques or some of that, if I get permission from the parents, I'll talk about those things with the kids, including some of my clients. I have done some soul bridge coaching with them where they may have a problem. And I'll say, would you like to hear what like the collective wisdom might say to you about this? Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's such an unusual question to pose to many people, but I, I would think that most people would be so curious and blown away and like, yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I remember when you sent me that drawing that Holly had you do for me and I saw the heart in the middle of it and um it really, without going into it, it really meant a lot to me. So let's talk about the few things that um, that you do with the children, you know, if the parents could possibly do at home, not just with gifted kids, but, and all kids, kids are gifted, right, in their own way. But um, I know you talk about the four pebble meditation, mindful movements, Qigong. Um, can you just briefly tell us what those are? Yes, I would actually right now like to do the four pe uh, pebble minutes show you uh, what that's like. So you have these four different pebbles. And if it's with the parents, maybe they could first of all take a little nature walk and, and choose the four small rocks that the child would like to use, or maybe go to the beach and find this, you know something that washes up on the shore. Right. And so then the kids take a pebble and or a small rock and they hold it in, in their hand. And with each of the four, they're going to breathe in and start with the statement, um, I see myself and say something and then breathing out, say, I feel. So it starts with, I see myself a flower. And then they breathe out, 
I feel fresh. So it's flower fresh. Then they pick up the next pebble. I see myself a mountain. And then they breathe out. I feel solid. Mm-hmm. So it's mountain solid. Then the third one is, I see myself still water. I feel reflecting things as they are. So it's still water reflecting. And I love the part reflecting things as they are. And I'll get back to that in a moment. I see myself space. I feel free. So for just a moment to to go back, so that flower, you know, and, and then after you have the kids doing this, start noticing flowers. And when they bloom, how fresh they look and that we can choose each day or in every moment to invite ourselves to come back to this moment and feel like that flowering Mm. and be fresh, even if something funky has happened to us, even if, you know, someone has said something negative to us, we can choose to come back and be that flower and be fresh. And that mountain and solid that you have a a core sense of yourself, you're grounded to where you're not going to let like those winds of change just knock you over. It's like that idea, maybe even of being rooted and solid, but be like that, that mountain. And the thing I love about that still water is how often we see something, but then we make up what it means. We, we, we ruminate about it so it's no longer reflecting what it really is. And so to keep inviting ourselves that still water reflects things as they are. And then that idea of space and free, you know, when we're anxious or depressed or, you know, we have those kind of negative emotions, we constrict ourselves and we get smaller. And sometimes when kids are upset, you you might see them just either, you know, in their beds, cuddled as small as they can be. But what we want, and because this is the fourth pedal, is that expansion of ourselves and our auras and, you know, into uh, the guides and everything that's here. So we can feel that, not shut ourselves down. And that's when we feel free, when we're expansive. Wow. So is this, is this just an example or do the kids themselves take the pedal and close their eyes and say, I see myself as... The children say these, so you're teaching them how to do it and you're doing it together. And so when I did it as a teacher, I invited all the kids to bring pebbles in. And of course, I I went and bought a lot of those, you know, uh, polished rocks. So I had a lot so that, you know, there would be some kids who it might be difficult to find something or they didn't like what they had found. They couldn't resonate with them. 
And then by doing it every day, you just want it to become a habit where the kids don't even need to have the pebble with them. Right. Um, but there were some kids who started carrying a pebble in their pocket and that pebble became the kinesthetic reminder of these things. So it isn't like you just do it once. I mean, it has to become something that becomes a part of you. So when you see a mountain, it reminds you, yes, I'm that too. Or you see a flower. I was going to ask you earlier, but this kind of answers the question about how you use imagination because we were chatting the other day um, about how imagination is the beginning of really strong listening to your feelings and intuition and what, you know, what is going on. And this person I was interviewing was saying that, you know, you start thinking about something or imagining something, and then if you want to call them guides or feelings or whatever, come in and help, you know, help sort of not solidify it at all, but, but to recognize what the, what the message is. So, yes, because a lot of us and and especially children who are in school who are being taught, you know, use your mind, think about things before you do it. Our minds are not always the greatest mediators of the truth because we ruminate about things from the past. We worry about things into the future. And I love that you brought up that idea of the imagination, because that's one of those great ways to pose a question and to close your eyes and see what the answer might be visually. And the nice thing is when you talk about the clairs, the different kinds of clairaudience, mm-hmm. clairsentience, we need to start teaching children. And of course, adults who don't know how to do it either by doing this. Like maybe you can imagine when that rock is in your hand, you have the kinesthetic feeling of it, but can you close your mind and see what kind of a flower do you see yourself as, or what kind of a mountain? So sometimes I would have the kids drawing a picture of what they saw in their mind's eye. Um, But there are some people who like to do mindful meditation through their different senses. And so, you know, you're, you're eating different kinds of foods and just slowly, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about mindful eating, mindful walking, that, we, we rush through our lives so often, we gobble down our meals. You know, you might ask sometimes a child, what did you have for lunch? They can't even, even remember because the eating of it wasn't even very important. So we have people slow down. What does it taste like? What does it feel like? And uh, reawaken our senses. Yeah. And what, I think we all know why this is so important. And, and first of all, really, would you agree that we're really not teaching children, we're helping them remember because they already know, know all of this. Yes. Easier with the children than with the adults because the the adults have so many layers of trauma and all. Right. Absolutely. So tell us um, how you feel as a professional and personally that this helps, helps a child doing these sorts of things. Well, you know, there, there is a book about the spiritually sensitive child. Mm-hmm. And in it, the author has research studies where she talks about 
the resilience of children who have these kind of connections, whether it's children who pray at night or children who do mindful meditation, but um, it helps kids who feel like they have a connection to an energy or a force that's even greater than themselves or greater than their families that they can always trust is going to be out for their greatest good. And, and one of the other things I think that's just so important from doing this with children is empathy. You know, one of the things we're seeing now that's a real problem with social media, it isn't social media itself, but how anonymously or even with people's names, it seems so easy for people to say mean things. They get in their own egoic minds and they want to destroy somebody else. But, you know, to develop emotional depth and care for other living things, people, animals, you know, the environment um, is something that the societies around the world really need right now. So I think by helping kids get in touch with this um, spirit um, increases the chances that they're going to be compassionate for other people. Right. I totally agree. So Paul, I'm sorry, we're, we are running out of time already, but I just like for you to, um, I just had down here teaching someone to feel their personal energy. Could you talk about that for a minute? And then we'll just start to wrap it up. Okay. So what I usually do with kids and, and adults that I work with is I have them rub the palms of their hands together and then, and then move their hands around each other back and forth so the hands are not touching each other, but so that they can feel the energy. Um, eventually it feels maybe like they have a little balloon between their hands or like magnets where they feel like they're being pushed away or pulled toward each other. So that's that very first step. Um, then with the, with the kids, I sometimes have them keep their hands open and I run my hand across the top of their hands. And they're always surprised when they feel like a tingly, like a little bit of static kind of feeling that they can really pick up on the energy of someone else. And then it, when I'm working with somebody who I can get them to really get to a relaxed place, I try to have them feel their own personal vibration. We all have a vibration. I remember the first time I ever felt mine, it was kind of like wah, 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 wah. And I realized, oh my gosh, I do have this vibration in my body. And why then I got into Qigong, which is like a... Um, a kind of healing movement so that I could make sure each morning and each evening that my energy was moving and that I, I would be carrying a good vibration. And I do think that the clients I work with feel that because I take the time to make sure I have good, clean energy moving through me. The Shigong energy, do you, I remember oh, so many years ago, I was in China with a dele health delegation 
and we went and they were using Qigong um, with deaf children mm-hmm. and they were using that vibration, you know, it's, but what I remember from it, it is a sound or a vibration. Do you actually have the big things that you, or can't, do you, are you able to get it on like Spotify? Or something? <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with sound when I'm doing okay. it. Okay, yes. just I, your energy. Yes, it's just moving the energy across my body, right. doing repeated movements that are bringing energy up through my body, and then energy that needs to be transformed or transmuted down right. into the earth for that to happen. Thank so you. mine are all body movements um, and not with sound, although that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So Paula, what would you like to, gosh, with all of your experience and what would you like to shout to the world? Well, I would like to say that we can all learn to recognize the guidance that is always here around us and that it's here for our greater good. It's available to all of us. Some of us don't know why we keep hearing or feeling these urgings, like what is this about? And so the more that we can stop and listen, watch for synchronicities, start sitting down and trying to do guided writing, um, this guidance is here for our good. Nice. And being such a sensitive child, what would you say to your five or six-year-old self if you went for a little walk? So I actually wrote this down on a card. So I want to read it because yes. I want to be able to hear it myself correctly again. Right. So it says, Sweet Paula, I'm sorry the adults in our life didn't know how to nourish a sensitive child. But... When we grow up, we will find love and guidance beyond anything we've ever hoped for. Wow. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to say that I didn't get to today? No, it's, it's been really, really wonderful speaking with you. And I want to let you know that that question you asked about the five-year-old self is so important because, you know, even by five, many of us are hurting and we don't know why. And this is, this is a three-year-old self, but she sits on my desk and she is a reminder to me that we are the same person. Yes. And I have a lot to learn from her. And I think that she sings to me. She she's the playful aspect of me that wants me to get out more and run my feet in the grass and in the water. And now we're looking out for each other. And that's part of that love and beauty that, you know, we're both finding. Right. Well, thank you so much. And if people want to find you, how would they, how would they do that? Well, they could send an email to um, soulbridgecoaching at gmail.com. 
and oh, at, at gmail.com, right? And then there's also a website, soulbridgecoaching.com. Okay. And um, there's also, I, I would love to have people come to our uh, Soulbridge uh, WordPress so that they could see examples of uh, some of the writing that I do with Holly. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for all the work that you're doing in this world. It's just, and I'm so happy that Holly came through with that. The first guided writing was great, but the second one was so perfect for this for this show. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. You know, the older part of me appreciates it. The younger part of me appreciates <laughs> your work is your work is is impactful. Great. Thank you, Paul. Well, you have a great rest of the day. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. As we end this interview, I just want to wish all of my listeners a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. We'll be taking um, next week off. So we will be back the following week. But once again, sending much love and happiness to all of you over this beautiful Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.